previously on Little Bit Leave It. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, it's my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. Season six is back, baby. We had some uh, production issues. We had some vacationing to do, but here we are. Episode 33 of season six. No more babies. Thank goodness. Yes, no more babies. The babies are gone from the villa and probably from these islanders' lives for the next few years, I'm guessing. There's not even an islander I can make fun of, like, oh, except for Bobby, because there's really, like, just a bunch of mature 20-somethings. Overall, compared to other seasons, they are pretty staid. Yeah, I would say that this now feels like the real end of the season. It really feels like we're kind of wrapped up. It is, and we almost are. With Callum leaving at the beginning of this episode. To <gasps> you spoiled it. I hope people have actually watched the episode we're about to discuss. But with Callum leaving, I feel like all of the storylines have now been wrapped up. All the conflict has been resolved. Natalia and arguably Callum and Molly gone. All of the all of the quote unquote villains are also gone. We I mean Mike, I guess, sort of, but Mike is definitely a face by this point in the Don't season. Don't talk about Mike like that. We like Mike. We are a pro Mike in Love Island household. Yes, I agree. Outside Love Island, not so sure, but in the villa, we like Mike at this point. Right? Beginning of the season, we were not so sure. You. Yes, I was not so sure. So yeah, I think it's all dessert now. It is just us sitting back and enjoying the fruits of our labor and that labor being having watched the first 32 episodes of the season. I don't know. This episode was just so damn wholesome. Everybody's happy. Everybody's in some form of love. You know, after the initial who should stay and who should go, not a whole lot, quote unquote, like capital H happens. Yeah, no, these last four episodes are basically a big serotonin blanket. I'm here for that. Yeah, we need it more than ever. But let's start with the little bit of tension that we've got. The Islanders must eliminate either Molly and Callum or Mike and Priscilla. Yeah, always love to rejoin the villa mid-dumping. And so the Islanders talk in their couples... Demi's closer with Molly, but Mike and Priscilla are stronger. Shawnice and Luke T don't doubt Mike and Priscilla anymore. Yeah, it's interesting to hear them talk about the villa politics aspect of who they're going to save versus what is the right thing for the show and what's being true to the purpose of the show, which is something you don't often have in other reality shows where politics of the cast and who likes whom, you know, that rules the day in those other shows. Well, so the general consensus, even before the vote, is that Mike and Priscilla are stronger, and so they merit staying, but do Callum and Molly need a few more days, which would merit them staying? Look, I think we both agree that the two couples who should be up for elimination are making this decision. Jess and Ched and Demi and Luke M should be the couples up there for elimination, in my opinion. I totally agree. And the fact that Mike and Priscilla are even up there is just a total... Yeah, you have to wonder, hmm, 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 why would the public not 
like them. Hmm. So couple by couple, Shawnice and Luke T say that this couple should stay because they remind us of us. They get over their hurdles. They talk through things. They vote for Mike and Priscilla. We all know they voted to save Mike and Priscilla because they owed them one. Well, yeah, they did owe them one, but... I do believe Shawnice when she's saying the way that they resolve conflicts reminds her of how she and Luke T productively resolve their conflicts because they're the only other couple that really does that. I mean, I guess Paige and Finn to some degree too, but... Yeah, but she's talking like she's their parents and like, oh, you youngins, you are a great couple just like we are married 25 years. Yeah, I actually, that was very, very funny. I did get a little chuckle. It was mildly patronizing. Yes, And now Paige and Finn, they save Callum and Molly. I actually, after hearing them talk, wasn't surprised by that. Were you? Shauna would be pissed. Yeah, this was clearly Finn's decision, too. Yeah, well, they said that one couple came in under awkward circumstances and didn't have the ideal start to their relationship. And, you know, it's an opinion. Yeah, it's an opinion. You know, I think that Finn just really did not want to vote for Callum, which is his right. Yeah, politics, who you like. Yep. Jess and Ched, they basically use the same logic as Shanice and Luke T and choose to save Mike and Priscilla, right? Sound logic. I guess, you know, it's water under the bridge for Jess and Mike. It's been water under the bridge for Jess and Mike, but it's always nice to see, you know, people putting their behinds in the past. Yeah, and that's where our behinds belong. So Demi and Luke M... This actually was a little surprising that they saved Mike and Priscilla. I kind of expected them to give us a 2-2 deadlock, but they don't. What would have even happened? I don't know. I honestly think that once... Fight to the death. I honestly think that once one couple got two votes, it was written. I mean, I, I think that they probably had to let the producers know beforehand who they were voting for, and that could have been resolved off the air. I've been wondering about a couple of the votes this season, as you know. Resolved off the air with a fight to the death? No, that wouldn't make any sense. I don't know, just some convincing and cajoling. Little rug burn. All right, so Callum and Molly are going home. It's a bittersweet time for Mike and Priscilla. Mike is now the last OG boy standing. Yeah, that is nuts. Priscilla's now the last Casa girl. Yep. And she says to the girls later in the dressing room that she really feels the love from them, that the Casa girls come in under circumstances that are meant to meant to bring up animosity. They're meant to be hostile. And the fact that they've embraced her and voted to keep her means a lot to her. It sort of helps that Mike didn't really betray Jess all that much. Well, and it sort of helped that Callum did kind of betray Shauna. That much. And Molly was the other woman. So, yeah. I can see that. But the girls liked Molly. Molly was welcomed. Also, Priscilla's the best. Yeah, Priscilla is great. She's been a fantastic Islander and she's been great for Mike. The Islanders go into the house to help Molly and Callum pack. You know, it's been five and a half weeks. They're leaving with each other, all things considered, except for leaving with the money. There's not much else to do. Yeah, and there's no way Callum was ever going to win the show after dumping Shauna after Casa Amor. So, But Priscilla does note that Callum has grown into a man. And I think, you know, as our boy Callum, my initial heartthrob of the show, does make his way out. I think we should give one last cheers to him and how he has developed as a human being. And he's still with Molly as far as we know. Yeah, he's a much better communicator by the end of the show. He's more sure of himself. He's more confident. More relaxed. Yeah, he has dried out a little bit, not the wet wipe 
that he was at the beginning of the summer. He's a paper towel. He's strong. He's rugged. He's useful in a number of circumstances. Yes, from wet wipe to paper towel, the Callum story. Oh, my goodness. So those are some nice send-offs. Then we've got a nice little goodnight scene. Paige. Paige comes on into the bedroom, all Billy Big Balls yelling, pucker up, big ball. And then she smacks herself in the face with her microphone. Yeah, that was nice. And she's got all that cream on her face, not rubbed in yet. I would love to be friends with Paige. I just think she is the best. She is very, very funny. So there's some nighttime kissies. And in the wee, wee, wee hours of the morning, 4 a.m., according to Ian, our buddy Mike gets a text. Yeah, he and Priscilla are the first up for final dates, and their final date is a safari. It's the best final date of the episode, and I'm guessing it's going to be the best final date we see this season. Oh, I mean, I bet it's one of the best final dates they've ever had, because that's so badass. You can't do that anywhere else. Yeah, I'm just trying to think back at all the other final dates, and it's not like one season, oh, remember that time that, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so went skydiving, or wow, when they went in that submarine. Or... I mean, yachts are cool. There's been a couple of yachts. Yes, there's been some rides on yachts. You know, there's been some dates, but I think Safari is objectively the coolest. And I just hope that if they're getting up that early, that there was some coffee and carbs waiting for them because that would be really unfair if they were doing that hungry. And that's all I can think about. Well, I'll say, you know, the crew definitely got some coffee and some pastries and stuff like that. So I'm sure that they did. Somebody fed Mike and Priscilla. Yeah, I'm I'm guessing they did. So the format for these final dates, it's kind of universal, right? The couple is going to reflect on their time together and the journey they have taken. Not all of them are going to feature lions that scare the shit out of Mike. Oh, Mike made the cutest faces when the lion growls. Mike was so into it. They took beautiful photos together. Then they get to go sit in chairs and bake in the sun. Yeah, and drink something out of a thermos. Not totally sure what it is. I don't know. My butt still hurts from the season seven date on the cobblestone. So at least they get chairs. Yeah, at least they get chairs. And something in a cup. I hope there was some shade. But they don't look too hot. I don't know. In this little convo, he says that his previous connections had nothing on her. He's regained her trust. In five years, they want to be married with at least one kid. I am heartbroken that we do not seem to be on track for that. Yeah, well, you never know. They could get back together. They did just break up, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. As of the time of this recording. Yeah. And so Priscilla says, you know our parents have to meet, right? Do they not know what's coming? Maybe not. Maybe they haven't watched the show before. That's a little weird. And since Mike is ready to tackle the outside world with her, he does what I think is the best of the examples this season and asks her for the honor of calling her his girlfriend. Yeah, he does a great job with this. They make it official. Congratulations to Mike and Priscilla. It's heartfelt. It's romantic. It's spontaneous, but doesn't feel forced. Maybe I just don't like being the center of attention in the same way, but the Luke T and the Finn things would have had me shriveling up and dying. Yes. And while I can appreciate that at least Finn's didn't embarrass Paige, and while Luke T's was exactly up Shawnee's alley, I think I would have been the most comfortable with this one. Yeah. No, me too. I am a more 
private person when it comes to my emotions, probably, which is why I won't ever get cast on Love Island. That and I am far too old at this point. So meanwhile, back at the villa, the Islanders have noticed that Mike and Priscilla are gone. They hope that Mike and Priscilla are in the kitchen making them a thank you for saving us breakfast. No such luck. And they try to list the big five of a safari. They try to list the big five of a safari, which they cannot do. And Jess is shocked that the full name is Rhinoceros. Good old Jess. You can always count on her for some comic relief. And... We get a little more. There is a great scene between Jess and Chad, Demi and Luke M. Also, while Mike and Priscilla are out on their safari date, we get a little gender role reversal with those two couples. See Chad and Luke M. doing a little bit of a, a strut swinging their hips. Chad can't keep his legs closed. Jed cannot sit very ladylike, apparently, though the best moment from this scene is definitely Luke M's impression of Demi, which had me rolling. Hi! Not just Luke M's voice, the facial expressions that he made when he was being Demi were so funny. I wish that we got all of this type of banter throughout the whole season. That is, I think, one of the problems with Love Island is that sometimes you have 14 people in the villa or during Casa, you're dealing with 24 people and there's not enough time in the episode to give those little moments that can be really revealing of an Islander's personality. I just can't believe how funny he is sometimes. I also want to give a shout out to Jess's impression of Ched. Yes, that was also good. Jess with the comic relief. Just what we needed. You know, joy, love, mirth, and another text. Another date. Paige and Finn are going on a rowboat. Not even a yacht. Yeah, I have to say the juxtaposition, the contrast between these two dates where Mike and Priscilla get to go on this really awesome luxury safari trip and then Finn has to row a boat while Paige has a parasol. Man, if I were Finn, I would have been like, What the heck? This is not what I would have chosen as a date. This is just a lot of work. No, Finn is a strapping young lad. He's obviously very, very confident helming a rowboat. Oh, I'm confident helming a rowboat too. Before we met, I had a girlfriend who made me row her and a friend in Central Park on the rowboats there. Neither of them could row at all, and I was doing all the rowing. Maybe I'm just a little burned by that experience, but... Finn doesn't complain. Finn doesn't complain. I would have complained. But also from our perspective as viewers, sometimes it's easy to forget that these people are at work. The cast members are working and part of the job is to create these romantic scenes and rowing a boat while your enamored one holds a parasol. That is you know, a classic romantic scene. And we get one on the little island. Yeah, they reflect on their first date a little bit. She was thrown by his age, which still makes no sense to me. And the fact that he was quiet. She's, what, 18 months older than him or something. We find out that it's only 18 months in a later episode. Right. Finn 100% has the feels. He pours his romantic little heart out. They both marvel that the Ice Queen has melted. And in a big move, Finn tells Paige that he wants to live with her when they leave the villa and get a wee dog. Paige finally confesses she has tripped 
She is tumbling and perhaps maybe she has fallen, but nobody drops the L word. But you know they're thinking it. They're thinking it. They're just not ready. And I just loved how much laughing there was, how they managed to have so much silliness in between all that romance. I really felt this to my core. Yeah. And I will also give credit to the date team. I do think that this date fit this couple very well. This one in particular, though, beers on a blanket is so Finn and Paige. I'm just glad Ched didn't sit on a penguin. Yeah, that would have been a messy, messy date. So while Paige and Finn are romancing it up on the island, Priscilla dishes to the other girls. Mike dishes to the other guys. First of all, Mike says that they were on this cliff overlooking the whole scenery and he should have started singing The Circle of Life. And that was hilarious. But yeah, they both share within their gender chat that they have made it official. Luke M asks, how did you put it? Did you smolder? And then he makes a Mike face. And I really liked it. And Priscilla really liked it. Good episode for Luke M. I will say that. He is delightful. He is like such a good boyfriend. He wears good boyfriend clothes. He does good boyfriend stuff. I'm sorry that it's being wasted on Lucy, but Luke M, good boyfriend. Are they still together? I don't know. Probably. Probably have like 17 big dogs. We've got one more text. Jess and Chad are going on a lit date. Yeah, they're going to... They're going to a Boy Scout weenie roast. Literally. (laughs) They're barbecuing sausage and chicken kebabs, and they're drinking some champagne at the fire. One thing about this date that was different from the other two is it seemed much more oriented toward talking about their future as a couple rather than about their journey in the villa. Well, Mike and Priscilla seem like they've been together forever, whereas Jess and Ched have been together just as long, and we find out it's only been two weeks. I mean, I guess it's not like a secret. Mike and Priscilla are much more advanced in their relationship for having been together the same amount of time. Oh, yeah. It's not clear because we don't get a ton of Jess and Ched screen time. We don't really know how close they are. They do seem to really like each other, though. Look, I'm more upset this time that they're still in the house than I was when we initially watched it. But I can't say that they're a waste of space. I don't know. To me, they are fine for week three or week four. I mean, they're just not as close. And we see that when they say, oh, we're going to go exclusive, which is not quite boyfriend and girlfriend, but it's close, I guess. It's a step. Yeah, it's a step and it's good. But, you know, I can think of several couples that have been eliminated. I would rather see in the show at this point. And I do like them. I'm not saying, I, you know, I'm not a huge Jess fan, but I'm a really big Chad fan. Yeah. So she'll be gutted if Eve doesn't like him. Eve is going to grill him. And he says he's ready. He's a good guy. And he is. Yeah, he is a good guy. She has never had an official boyfriend. She says that she's ready. She sounds a little reluctant. Yeah, she's only 20, right? Yeah, he's 23 and ready for something serious. And this is the conversation that leads up to them becoming exclusive, but not boyfriend and a girlfriend. Maybe Ched would have asked her to make it official if she hadn't expressed a little bit of hesitancy. Who knows? So while Jess and Ched are on their date, the Islanders catch Paige and Finn up on Mike and Priscilla, and my heart leapt with how genuinely shocked and happy Finn is for Mike. Yeah. He was really shocked, and he looked like a Muppet. He did. And then when Jess and Ched get back, of course, they update everybody again, that they're exclusive. 
Luke T says that they have a special connection and Chad sort of laughs and looks at Mike and Mike's like, no, 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 no. Like, don't even start with that. Mike's never going to live that down. No, Mike is not going to live that phrase down. But I think Mike at this point should be given the benefit of the doubt. Priscilla has and Priscilla said she 100% trusts him. So I think now the book has kind of been written on that. Mike should be able to take it as a joke. Yes. Which he does. Yeah. And he was moving mad, as the kids like to say, after Leanne dumped him. And I just wonder how Luke M and Demi feel now in a house full of progress. That is a good question because we talk about Jess and Shed and Mike and Priscilla only having been in relationships for two and a half weeks. Well, Luke and Demi, it's been even less time. And they don't have much time left because we have three episodes, one of them being the live final. So I guess next, was there even a next on? I don't remember the next on segment, but I know we're going to get two more final dates. So we'll get Shanice and Luke T's final date and we'll get Luke M and Demi's final date. One after that's the families. Yep. And the one after that's the final. Yep. So we are coming down to the home stretch cheese slices. That will finish up this season. Looking back, I will say I really enjoy this season. I think there are some great storylines, some great Islanders. And I know it's not as popular as some of the other seasons because it doesn't quite have those, I don't know, moments of extreme tension and drama like we got in season five. But this season was even better on rewatch. Yeah, I agree. Because I was able to stop focusing on the big P plot and start focusing on the little P plot. (laughs) I have no idea what that meant or what innuendo it was supposed to be i don't know either like you said season five had big things happen mora tries to steal tommy tom says something stupid and mora dumps him right then and there mr effing boyfriend right season five was so big and season six feels so small in comparison it's like a movie like napoleon dynamite right like when you see it the first time it's really disappointing because nothing really happens it's also not that funny In fairness. Okay, well, this season is funnier than Napoleon Dynamite. I agree with that. Napoleon Dynamite is a terrible movie. Okay, well, I shouldn't have used that as an example. But when you stop looking for the big drama and the big arguments and the big personalities in this series, you get to focus on what makes this series great, which are the interpersonal relationships. They really seem to be friends. They really care about each other. They produced five successful couples. Yeah. Paige and Finch, Anissa and Luti, Nas and Eva, Callum and Molly, and I'm going to give Mike and Priscilla a W even if they did split up. Yeah, I agree with that. So that is something. It's just different. Yeah. No, I agree. I'm a fan of the season, as you know. So that, I think, will wrap up our discussion of this episode. It does. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, it's me, Jeff McIntyre of Movin' and Groovin' with Jeff's Groovin' Movin' Service and former middle school band impresario. I'm in big trouble and I need your help. I need you all collectively to wire me $20,000 so I can make bail. I'm using my one phone call to leave this voice message in the voicemail box of a trusted friend who I have asked to purchase podcast advertising on my behalf because I know that you, the podcast listening community, have the generosity of spirit and thickness of wallet 
to extract me from my current predicament. And I can assure you of my innocence, friends. I promise I didn't do it. Or if I did do it, I didn't know I was doing it. Or it was an accident. Come on, guys, it's me, Jeff. Except I'm in jail. Today, we are going to talk about compatibility tests and compatibility in general, because, well, it comes up on the show a lot. The Islanders are asked which couples are the most or the least compatible. And despite all of that, it's never really clear what they mean when they talk about compatibility. Well, at the risk of sounding like a terrible wedding speech... Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines compatibility as capable of existing together in harmony. The second definition is capable of cross-fertilizing freely or uniting vegetatively. Ooh la la. That sounds surprisingly dirty for farming, right? Yeah. In an interesting coincidence, one of the inventors of the Myers-Briggs test got her degree in agriculture. So Ben and I met on OkCupid in 2007, back when you had to have a desktop to use it, and it was mostly populated by benign weirdos like us. Interesting backstory. So the website thespark.com was created by four Harvard students and all dorky white guys, sorry fellas, in the late 90s as a website of goofy personality quizzes and, fittingly, study guides for literature, poetry, history, film, and philosophy. They ended up spinning out the study guide section into sparknotes.com, which they then sold to Barnes & Noble in the early 2000s. Barnes & Noble sells books and music, if you didn't know. And so after they sold Sparknotes, they focused on the quiz part. Side note, Barnes & Noble started printing the literature study guides and selling them in the stores and stopped carrying the more famous Cliff's Notes altogether. So these four fellas happened to have a Myers-Briggs-based match test on the Spark, and ended up spinning that into a beta test of a dating site called SparkMatch. It blew up, and OkCupid was born in 2004. It is currently owned by Match Group Incorporated, which also owns Match and Tinder, FYI. According to co-founder Max Krohn, the name was developed to remind users it was a dating site, and I quote, to remove any chance people thought we were another pay site promising romance and true love, targeting lonely people who wanted to settle down ASAP. Do you have any idea what that means? I have no idea what that means. I mean, when I was on the site, it didn't seem that different from the other dating sites. I was never on Match.com, so maybe that one was like more quote-unquote serious because it was definitely playful, but I feel like you know most of the women that I met on Okay, Cupid, we're looking for relationships, not casual dating. I think I tangled with Match briefly. It did seem much more vanilla and mainstream. Well, like I said, Okay, Cupid was full of benign weirdos. Like you could get out into a relationship with some weird shit in Okay, Cupid, which we did. And we're still here. Um, so when you register for Okay, Cupid, and I assume this is still the same, I haven't seen anything to the contrary. OkCupid users answer questions about hobbies, lifestyles, interests, and beliefs. They not only answer how they feel, but what answers are acceptable from their potential partner and how important it is. 
So for example, you might get I smoke with the options being never, occasionally, frequently, or like a chimney. You select your frequency, the frequency that would be okay for your partner, so you could pick more than one for them, and how much you care about it. There are about 4,000 questions, and it's suggested that people answer 50 to 100 to get started. When you look at another person's profile, the algorithm compares their answers to yours to give you a match percentage. Each question you answered is weighted based on the importance you gave it. Being outside of someone's age or geographic range docks 10% off that match percentage and another 10 if they're outside yours. So you could have all of the same ideals and beliefs and values as another person, but let's say you're 28 in the New York City area looking for 25 to 35-year-olds, and you message a 38-year-old in Boston looking for locals in their 30s, that's 40% off the match percentage right there. You also get an enemy percentage, which is based on the raw number of incompatible answers, which is incredibly weird, so those aren't weighted. And though it worked for us, a large-scale 2012 study by the Association for Psychological Science found that matched algorithms just don't work. The study authors wrote, these sites are in a poor position to know how two partners will grow and mature over time, what life circumstances they will confront, and coping responses they will exhibit in the future, and how the dynamics of their interaction will ultimately promote or undermine romantic attraction and long-term relationship well-being. Another funny side note, because I love those, I read on Wikipedia that the founders developed Crazy Blind Date in November 2007 which set up last-minute blind dates for users in several major cities, including New York City. Participants only received minimal information about their setup partner, name, age, gender, occupation, education, and ethnicity. It was a few months too late for us to use it. We met in April of that year. But I'm not going to lie, I'm pretty curious about that. Yeah, that that is kind of interesting. Get murdered by someone you know even less about. Well... Hopefully not. I went on a lot of internet dates and I never got murdered. Yeah, me neither. So you mentioned that the original OkCupid match test or spark match was based on Myers-Briggs, this personality test. So what is a Myers-Briggs test? For those who don't know or might not be familiar, it is a basic personality test that assigns one of two personality traits across four different areas to give you a personality type related to how you see the world and how you make decisions. It was developed by a mother and daughter back in 1944, as uh, when I think they formally published it, and they built it on the work of Carl Jung. Now, neither of them had any formal training in psychology or any related field, but they developed this test to help women who were entering the workforce during World War II find the job that would be most comfortable for them. And the daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, learned psychometric testing, meaning how to actually set up tests to try to gauge somebody's personality while she was working at a large bank. I didn't know that that's how it started. And I've used it in a managerial training class. I took a marketing personality one. It is really all over any aspect of the workforce you could possibly imagine. Yeah, and that's actually kind of troubling, as I'll get into in a minute. So all personality tests are psychometric tests, and that just means it's a test designed to measure aspects of our minds and kind of demystify why our brains react in certain ways and why we believe what we believe. 
So apart from personality tests, psychometrics are most often used in the academic world with tests designed to measure academic achievement and intelligence. So that's right. All of the standardized tests that we know and love grew up out of this stuff. Now, the Myers-Briggs test has four categories where you're assigned one of two traits, introversion or extroversion, sensing or intuition, thinking or feeling, and judging or perceiving. Now, introversion and extroversion, I think that is fairly self-explanatory. Sensing and thinking are considered rational traits, while intuition and feeling are considered irrational traits. And those are set against each other, which I think right there you're starting to get into some of the problems with this test. The misogyny is coming from inside the house. Yeah. Now, the judging versus perceiving is a bit more confusing in my opinion, but it has to do with whether you're likely to apply those rational or irrational techniques or analyses to things in the outside world whether you're going to be more intuitive when you're thinking about external objects or more, I don't know, logical, I guess, is the way that they frame it. But, oh yeah, this is all bullshit. You know, it's an interesting theoretical framework to think about personalities, but there is absolutely no evidence that any of this correlates to reality. Others have tried to replicate findings by the Myers-Briggs Foundation, but haven't been able to. The only evidence that has ever been published in support of this framework has been published by basically the family that invented it. So it's crazy how popular this is when it is universally considered by psychologists to be bullshit. Poppycock. Yeah. So despite it being total bullshit, we decided to do it anyway. So Beck, what personality type did you get? So I did this last August and I figured it was recent enough that I didn't need to do it again. So as of August 2020, I'm an ESFJ, the console. I'm 51% extroverted, uh, 74% sensing, 67% feeling, and 57% judging. And if you know me, you know I'm way more judgmental than that. Uh, the console is big on making sure everyone's needs are met, making me a pro at this relationship stuff until conflict or criticism arise. Now, what was your ideal match? Oh, I didn't go that far. I actually did check to see my compatible personality type, and it was ENFJ. So three out of four ain't bad, but who knows? Because you can get different results depending on your mood when you take the test, you may actually be an ENFJ. You could take it again. I got ENFP or ENTP, uh, I got 71% on my extroverted, 94% on my intuitive, and fairly even on feeling versus thinking, which is why they couldn't quite decide. And then I also got perceiving with 74% versus 26 for judging. Like I said, my ideal match would be this ENFJ, but this Myers-Briggs, it's not well accepted. The Big Five framework, however, that is a lot more generally accepted by psychologists. Now, the Big Five framework, that evaluates extroversion, agreeableness, openness to experience, conscientiousness, and 
neuroticism. So a little bit the same as Myers-Briggs, but mostly different, I would say. My results on this one are not too surprising, but maybe a bit embarrassing. So I got 100 out of 100 on openness to experience, 79 out of 100 on agreeableness, uh, only 33 out of 100 on conscientiousness, 67 out of 100 on negative emotionality, and 96 out of 100 on extroversion. So basically, I am extremely emotionally volatile. I have some bad habits, but I balance that with being a nice guy who will live stream his first time bungee jumping. Where did you land on this one? I got openness, 42 out of 100, and there's my embarrassing one. Agreeableness, 83 out of 100. Conscientiousness, 46 out of 100. Negative emotionality, 63 out of 100. And extroversion, 67 out of 100. I think these really reflect COVID era me, especially as far as openness. I just want to stay home, watch TV, read books, and bask in the familiar. It probably also has to do with being a parent, being in the suburbs with less proximity to awesome stuff. I feel like if we were still in Manhattan with like every museum and every restaurant right there I'd, and there was no COVID and we didn't have kids to deal with, I would be a lot more down like a clown, Charlie Brown. That's a nice alternative reality. Except for the kids. Yeah, of course. I can't help but think that several years ago, like I said, the score would have been much higher. Although 42 seems to count as in between on the 538 version. So yay for not being Dean Wormer or cool with fascism. Uh, I maybe didn't give myself enough credit for conscientiousness, but that could also be brain fog from insomnia and parenting and lockdown. I definitely lose points for abandoning tasks and spreadsheets and not being religious, which I am totes cool with. Um, I'm down with the high agreeability, especially if that means leading do-gooder organizations. Hello, former public library manager. Uh, not being bullied and being awesome at school and work. Uh, I think negative emotionality and extroversion are pretty dead on. I did abandon that library job after 11 years due to burnout, and I do have decently strong social ties. Yeah, and I would say if you are actually interested in learning a bit more about your personality or your compatibility with your partner, that the big five would be the way to go. Do not, as we did, just Google romantic compatibility tests. You will get trash. It will feel like you are in seventh grade giggling at a slumber party and you'll get a lot of ads. Yeah, most of those are just ad delivery vehicles and the questions are hilarious. The stock photos they use are also quite amusing at points, but you will not learn anything from these tests. No, how would you feel if your partner cheated on you? I would be mad. I would be sad. I wouldn't care. I'd cheat back. This is not the basis of true romantic compatibility. But it can be fun, I guess, like those BuzzFeed quizzes, right? Yeah, you're better off taking a BuzzFeed quiz. Pick 10 meals and we'll tell you what Disney princess you are. And that's maybe next time what we should do is, is uh, which Disney princess uh, correlates with which Love Island character from season six? That's not a bad one. I don't think that exists. I guess you'll have to write it, BuzzFeed community. You guys write it. I guess we have an assignment for one of our listeners. So you don't come here for the silly stuff, though. You came here to get educated, and hopefully we learned you something today. Okay, now we have learned how compatible we are. Yeah, compatibility test. Had to do it. You can vote for us, listeners. Are we compatible? <laughs> We're already married for, you know, a while, so it'll be news. 
I think, though, it is time for us to talk about fashion. It's time for the TNA report. The TNA report. I have the hardest time, by the way, not saying the TNA rapport. Like old Colbert rapport. Yeah, he really ruined. He really ruined that for the rest of us. All right, we're gonna go chronological because I didn't type my notes up this week. Positive. Mike and Priscilla on their date. They killed it. Mike looks wonderful in the royal blue shirt and the white shorts. It was nice to see him in color. He tends to favor blacks and browns, and it was just nice to see him in a nice color. Yeah. And Priscilla's safari-inspired shirt dress. Very cool. I agree. I also like Paige's date outfit. Uh, Yeah, that Finn helped her pick out and greets with a pagey baby. Yeah, that was a great little moment. Finn was also wearing a royal blue shirt and white shorts. Yep. I think he and Mike shop at the same store. You mean the wardrobe department? Yeah. Well, Finn also looked very handsome. Good job, gentlemen. Now, Jess and Ched's date is a split decision in my book. Jess looked awesome. I agree. Yeah. In the two-piece white fringy thingy. That was so cool. Normally, I am not a fan of tassels on anything but cowboy boots. Or pasties. Or pasties. But in this case, it worked. I guess it was because it was beaded. It made clicky clacky noises. It's probably good that they weren't going to go see penguins with the clicky clacky beads. Well, and I don't know. Are they tassels if they come down from the bottom? No, tassels can hang from the bottom. Oh, they can? Okay. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ched's pants were way too tight and they made me uncomfortable. Not in a sexual way. Just like, ouch, his meat and veg. I don't know, man. This tight pants thing just keeps getting more and more extreme. You think these guys are bad? Check out season seven. Whoa. I think if this trend goes even further, guys are going to start wearing protective athletic cups just as a normal course of their daily outfits. Shit, they could just paint their pants on. So while Jess and Chad are out on their date, the rest of the Islanders have showered and dressed for the evening. Priscilla is wearing gorgeous sunburst earrings oh yeah i loved her earrings i also think now that there are only 10 people in the villa they can all shower inside again i bet that must be lovely but luke t luke t must be running out of clean clothes (laughs) his outfit is so bad the white bucket hat okay fine whatever and then that teal ribbed turtleneck oh man yeah it's that dark teal ugly sweater turtleneck rib oh my gosh did he borrow that from like priscilla or demi because i could see one of them wearing it that bucket hat also is not cool there are cool bucket hats and there are uncool bucket hats that is the latter that was a father-in-law bucket hat not my father-in-law just in general one's father-in-law would wear that bucket hat yeah no my dad does not wear bucket hats your dad does though my dad also had the cell phone holster and the white new balances that are now cool and what do you mean had he still wears the cell phone holster yeah but now like dad chic is in i don't know i think you just spend too much time in our suburban environs No, I see pictures at the Skechers outlet of young people in those ugly white chonky shoes. When I was trying to find shoes for myself, I just kept finding the ugly white chonky shoes. All I'm going to say is that if you're looking for the latest in fashion, you're probably not going to find it at the Skechers outlet. That's where I found my kitties in space shoes. There you go. I rest my case. Those are the bombest shoes and they get compliments on those everywhere. No, I I like your cats in space shoes too. And what they really need to do is buy a huge amount of product placement on Love Island UK like Crocs did in season seven. So other fashion stuff, 
Luke M. Also, what are you thinking, man? This was a bad fashion night for the guys, and in particular, the Luke's. His brown vest over the moss green shirt? What is that? Who dressed you, Luke? Yeah, I didn't want to acknowledge that after I said Luke M has good boyfriend taste, because that was not a good boyfriend outfit. That was a milady outfit. Oh, that was actually, I think, a perfect boyfriend who has just gotten with his girlfriend and she has not had time to really look into his wardrobe. And so he is pulling out all the stuff he thinks is going to impress her. Do you remember those days? Oh, yeah. I remember that stuff. And I'm like, oh, this looks nice. And then one day I'd be like, hey, where did that sweater go? Or where did that shirt go? You're like, oh, I threw that away. It was so ugly. I hated it. I'm like, wow, I used to wear that to impress you. I set it on fire. All right. Well, since we win every ranking of couples, why don't we go ahead and rank these couples? Rank the couples. This was a really hard one because nobody deserved to be on the bottom. Yeah, we like all these couples. So we'll go from bottom to top just yeah. so that they don't feel sad yeah. that they're at the bottom. Yeah, I think bottom to top. Now, the fifth greatest couple on Love Island UK this episode, it's Sean East and Luke T. Yeah, through no fault of their own, although I guess Luke T's outfit really plunged them a few spots. They didn't have a ton of screen time. They didn't go on their date yet. They'll have their moment in the sun. It just wasn't today. Yes, they didn't go on their date. And Luke T's outfit definitely sunk them compared to our next couple coming in at number four. It's Luke M and Demi. Well, their little role reversal game with Jess and Chad also pulled them ahead. Yeah, Luke M. cracking, I don't know, three or four different great jokes on this episode gave them the nod at number four. And no screeching from Demi. Yeah, Demi was not annoying at all this episode. Kudos to them. Smack in the middle at number three, Jess and Ched. Yeah, they've got a decent date. Ched cooked. They made it exclusive. They were in that cute little role reversal game. Good times all around for Jess and Ched. At number two, it's your favorite couple, Beck, Paige and Finn. I love them so much. They've got a great date. It is so them and so romantic. And funny. Yes. Paige smacks herself in the face. I can relate to that. This is probably, I don't know, the third time we've watched this episode. And I think you have cried all three times during their date. None of that sentence is true. Okay. We've only watched it twice. Oh, but you've de- <laughs> you've definitely cried every time. time. I've cried three times. Yes. And at the top, for the greatest date, for making a big step in their relationship. And just having an awesome episode all around, Mike and Priscilla. We got to hand it to them. Yeah, they had a great episode, great fashion. They've made it official. Congratulations, Mike and Priscilla. Even though we know you only stayed together for another 16 months, at least this first go round, we're hoping you get back together. We're shipping you guys. Get your vaccines and get back together, guys. Yeah, Mike, get your vaccine, bro. Bruv. Seriously, bruv. Before we embarrass ourselves any further, I just want to remind you that you can embarrass us on social media. I am at LBLI Podcast on Twitter. At LBLI Pang on Twitter. We've got Facebook. We've got Instagram. And you can email us at littlebitleaveitpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. No, really, we would. If you say something that we think is interesting, we will read it on the podcast. Isn't that cool? The coolest. From Staten Island, 
to Love Island. Lion, leopard, rhino, elephant, African buffalo. Thank you, Google. <laughs>